Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Freaking first cut. Golly! Welcome to the First Cup Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your round one recap for this week's American Express. And joining me to break it all down, it's him, it's Kyle Porter, KP. We got to sift through a weird leaderboard situation here. <laughs> this is why strokes gain exists, Rick. It's the perfect right? example of why strokes gains exist this very week, yes. Because we can't figure out, we got different courses, and so... Yeah, it's just like if you shot three strokes worse on PGA West, you were the sa- almost the same as shooting three strokes better on La Quinta. Correct. So let's just get this out of the way to start with. Three courses in action, which is kind of nice because all the tee times are within a two-hour window. So it's kind of nice. They're all out there at the same yeah. time. But three different courses. The stadium course, that is your host course. That is – The most difficult course, or at least it was on this Thursday, it played nearly a shot under par. One solitary stroke. The Nicholas Tournament course, KP, that was much easier. Played about two and a half shots under par on average. And La Quinta played about 2.9 strokes under par. So the two non-stadium course courses were where the majority of the scoring opportunities came on average. Yeah, and that makes sense. I mean, PGA West is traditionally, I think we talked about this, just a lot more difficult. I, I Psychologically, like, would you rather be, um, so Joseph Bramlett shot seven under at PGA West. Correct. Sam Ryder did too. So would you rather be one of those guys or would you rather be Patrick Cantlay? Well, you, I mean. I would rather take, be Patrick Cantlay <laughs> in well, whatever take, take whatever his, scenario. <laughs> take his skill out of it. Uh, would you? Okay, we'll say Lee Hodges. Would you rather be Lee Hodges shooting 10 under at La Quinta? Personally, I would rather be Lee Hodges 10 under at La Quinta. And I would look at Joseph Bramlett's score and say, wow, a 65 is out there at the stadium course when I get there. That's the way that I would look at it. But I imagine a lot of guys are going to look at that quite differently. I would look at it the other way. I'd rather yeah. be Joseph Bramlett. I would say, oh, I shot 65 stadium course. That's out of the way. Now I can feast on the other two courses, right? Yeah, but don't you feel like, wow, I, I have to feast on yeah. the other two courses? Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, it, by Saturday night, everybody's done the same thing anyway. So I, I don't know. I don't know if there's like one. It would, that would be an interesting study to see if like it it affects like psychologically. It's like the thing where um, if you change the par of a hole, it will <laughs> change the scoring. Like what this what like what the scoring average or how many like birdies versus pars are made or pars versus bogeys. What whatever you know what I'm trying to say. I do. 
Um, I wonder if psychologically, like where you shot your low score affects how you play in the next. There might not be enough data on it, but it'd be interesting. I would also like to know, again, might not be enough data on it, but like if you get to play the stadium course both Saturday and Sunday, you get to play it two rounds in a row. I wonder if that's better than playing it Thursday and then having to go back to it on Sunday. I mean, can you imagine like in football them being like, well, you're playing on a different field today and the conditions will be different. might be wet. It might be different than when these guys play. I mean, it might be 150 yards long. Who knows? It's, it's just, we, again, like this is the whole premise of like my last year of stuff, but like we normalize it. Cause we're like, Oh yeah, they're playing on three courses. But like to do that in a different setting in a different sport, you're like, that's, that's absurd. Like that's crazy. Yeah, if you're not into kind of the strokes gain conversation, Kenny Kim tweeted out something that I think puts it into perspective as well. Uh, says essentially, if your golfers, uh, maybe you're backing them for fantasy purposes or in wagers, are starting slow on the stadium course, that's okay. Only 55% of the golfers on the stadium course are currently under par, while nearly 80% of the golfers on the other two courses are under par. We know par is a social construct, but uh, that is one very interesting way to look at it. Yes. Yes, it is. Um, yeah. And, and I think that's, I think that's right. It just, it makes deciphering these first two or three days from a betting or any kind of perspective, just it, it's, it's hard. You, it, it's it, again, it's why strokes gained is like valuable to look at because it, it provides some good context for kind of what you're seeing on the leaderboard. It's like when in college football, they don't do the first playoff ranking until like the fifth week of the season. So you see yeah. a little bit first and they give you the rankings. It's like, we don't know who's winning this golf tournament until 54 holes have been played is essentially the way this is. It feels, it feels like that. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. Patrick, I, we, know, we know Phil Mickelson is not winning the golf tournament. Oh my God. I, when you, I had to furiously scroll for my pick to win on the leaderboard uh, today. <laughs> yeah, Matthew Wolf will get to him. He's not winning the golf tournament either. We will get to him in just one second. But let's start at the top as we always do. Patrick Cantlay, I've heard of him. 10 under par along with Lee Hodges. Additionally, 10 under par. So we've got two guys out at La Quinta uh, shooting 62s. Let's just start with Lee Hodges. We always talk about Patrick Cantlay. I love the fact that we do these round-by-round round recaps and we get to talk about other guys. Lee Hodges, currently the 312th ranked player in the world, got onto our tour, the PGA Tour, via the Corn Ferry Tour. He won an event um, in 2020. He finished T4 at the Corn Ferry Tour Championship just at the end of 2021, now starting really his first full foray at as a PGA tour member. Yeah, he, he's interesting. You know, the data, the data boys, we're probably data boys, I guess, but I would the, hope to be lumped into the data boys conversation. Yeah. The data boys don't love him. You know, if you look at his, his, and, and again, statistics when you're coming out or when you're transitioning from corn Ferry to PGA tour at a young, relatively young age, it's, it's, uh, there's not enough data there, but his numbers are not great. He's kind of an accurate off the tee guy, but doesn't hit his irons that well, which is <laughs> not the great. opposite of the uh, PGA, the modern PGA Tour formula right now. Uh, but he played great on on Thursday. I, you know, it was interesting. I was I was looking him up because I'm like, uh, he finished I think top ten in Corn Ferry last year, but 
I don't follow Corn Ferry a ton. Probably need to more. He played college golf at not one, but two different schools in Alabama. He started at UAB. And then I didn't realize this, Rick, but he was actually on the 2018 Alabama team. He was a senior that year. So again, he's only like 25 years old, but uh, he was a senior that year and he played in the national championship against Oklahoma state at Karsten Creek, which I was Mm. at and he got smoked by Victor Hovland in the in the finals. Which is not really a knock against Lee Hodges. Let's be no, real. A lot of guys are going to get was, smoked by Victor Hovland. I just thought it was interesting. The, the OSU team won all five of those matches. Hovland and, and Hodges were the first one out. And, awesome. and Hovland beat him. But, uh, yeah, I, you know, again, tr- the trajectory here to be 25, and I don't care about one round on the tour, but he, he played really well on the on the corn ferry last year like 17 top 25s and 36 starts something like that like basically half his starts uh i guess that was over two years right because they did the kind of the super season it was a super season yeah and uh yeah he's solid player this would be an unbelievable win for him at that age with the lack of experience that he has yeah certainly plenty of golf to be played if you are lee hodges or anybody else in the field patrick cantlay also a 62 at la quinta and i don't know kp made par on his last five holes of the day maybe this guy stinks let me uh let me see what he did on the first oh no 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 uh, had a stretch of golf from three through seven where he went birdie, 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 eagle, birdie, then went three in a row, 11, 12, 13. It is just, it's never ending with this guy. He's relentless. He is relentless. He was my pick to win this week. This looks like my Ugh. mini golf scorecard. Yeah, seriously, look at this thing. Uh, I'll make twos and threes in mini golf. He makes them in PGA Tour golf. Uh, it is interesting, you know, you get it's easy to get excited on Thursday. We're on if you're watching on YouTube, we're on the data golf uh win expectancy page right now. And he's only up to 35%, which is just not very much, you know? Uh yeah. and there's a bunch of different reasons for that. John Rahm is a reason. The fact that he was playing at La Quinta is a reason. Um, but yeah, it's just he's I don't know. I, I have, we talked about this, I think during tournament of champions, but I have very mixed feelings about Patrick Cantlay so bad in the majors last year for, for a top five player. And yet in these regular tour events, he's just kind of automatic or he has been for the last six months. So he's super special. Yeah. Yeah, he is. Um, yeah. I mean, he was great again on Thursday. I, what was the um wasn't it Rom versus Cantley in a heads up mat- matchup? Yeah, Rom was uh, a big favorite, minus one sixty. Cantley was like plus one thirty, if I remember correctly. And you took Cantley, right? I did indeed. Yeah, I, I like that. I liked still, it at the time. I really like it now. Well, I really like it now, but I'm still worried. John Rom six under sixty six certainly um, didn't stumble out of the gate. That's a, a really good way to get started. He's he's six under at La Quinta, so that's three shots better than the field over there. He's lurking, I imagine, as we continue to play. He's going to continue to matriculate up the up the leaderboard. Right? This is what he does. Yeah, this is what he does. I mean, it, it, producer Jacob, if you can pull up my tweet while i'm talking about it but he uh (laughs) his first 90 holes of the year 38 birdies 50 pars one eagle one bogey can you imagine making one bogey and 90 holes 
and making as many bogeys as eagles in your first 90 holes of the year? No, because I made seven bogeys alone today and four doubles. So I'm, I'm, I'm a little off the pace, I believe. Yeah, you can't imagine that. Uh, <laughs> I could not. <laughs> 30, 39 under Good in his first 90 holes. That's crazy. Uh, but the craziest number is, is 17 strokes gain in his first 90 holes. That's, that's like three and a half, basically, on the field, which is just a number that, you know, it's, it's weird because if you're existing at that, if you just gain three and a half strokes every round of your career, you're going to be like the best player in the world by far, but you might not win a ton. And that's kind of like, and what I mean by that is you need to gain four or five strokes per round to kind of win some of these tournaments. And so I think what we're seeing with Rom is he's like three and a half, three and a half, three and a half, three and a half, maybe drop down to three. He needs to have the round where he gains like six or five. That's when you, that's when you go out and win. So, um, yeah, I think I think people are kind of looking at him with a little bit of a reputation of like, okay, but win, you know. I know you play good golf, but win. And I think that's fair, but man, the golf has been it's been so good. It's been unbelievable. I think I'm on the record saying I think the most likely scenario is that Rom has a worse statistical season and wins more this year. Uh maybe not. Maybe he just goes out and gains two and a half strokes per round again and who knows if the wins come or not, but it is I know it's only 90 holes in, but he is something. And it's just none of it. Somebody was saying this in my Twitter feed or responding to me or something. It's just like, oh, yeah, it's it's not surprising. You know, it, it, it just looks very, I don't want to say easy, but it just looks very normal. It looks very like routine, I guess is probably the right word there uh, for, for him to go out and do that. So... Um, yeah, I mean, he's, he's going to be, I hope it comes down to him and can't like, cause they, you know, obviously player of the year stuff last year, and they've been the two best players in the world for the last three, four, five, six, eight, ten 10 months, probably. Uh, if you just look at, at kind of their numbers and even their wins. So that would be a fun kind of Sunday duel if we get that. Unfortunately, we're not going to get a Sunday duel that involves either Matthew Wolf or Phil Mickelson. Let's start with Matthew Wolf, who is currently playing his final hole of the day on the stadium course. And uh, since we've gone on air, his scorecard has gotten worse with a double on 17. He is now six over par. And literally, I'm not exaggerating, as the time that I speak, in dead last, which I think I might have said, hey, Matthew, I could see Matthew Wolf finishing dead last or winning this week. I, I didn't really mean dead last but here we are i think i had him in a matchup i think that was my best bet i mean we knew it was like volatility on volatility on volatility but yeah it's just it's it's uh it's weird it's a little uh okay here we go we got his card pulled up i mean that front nine goes out in 40 he goes out in 40 on a nine that is playing, I mean, it's playing a half a stroke under par. So it's playing 35, and yeah, it loses four and a half strokes in nine holes. Yeah, it's just, it's it's a little bit, it's kind of an extreme version of what we see from Kepka sometimes, right? Where it's like, hey, I might win by five, but I might miss the cut by a lot also. <laughs> right, yes. 
Yeah. And and it's it, it, I think Wolf's is more extreme. Like it's it's less the might win by five and more like oh I might contend or I might like finish last. So his is like it's the same extremes. It's just shifted more toward like the bad. And uh, yeah, I just I don't know the the inconsistency there is. It's great for betting, right? Because you get weird numbers yeah. and you can you can kind of leverage some of the volatility but it it's it's not it's a little disconcerting when some, yeah, when somebody it, like like him and Hovland are kind of going in opposite directions it seems like in terms of consistency Hovland's getting better and more consistent and wolf seems to get, be getting at times more more volatile as as his career as a pro kind of goes on yeah it's great for betting outrights if he finishes 154th or 54th or fourth it's all the same thing so it is what it is now uh phil mickelson also down there at six over that's a 78 at the la quinta course which is even worse uh place to do it and it was highlighted or low lighted in this scenario kp by a nine that he made on number eight that's a quintuple bogey that's five over and Phil, I don't want to say he's used to making scores like this, but I'm not sure if you saw the tweet. This is the 11th time Phil has made a nine or worse on tour. That's that's very unsurprising. I'm trying to pull up. Did he uh, did he give any quotes afterwards? I didn't see. I don't know. Let's see here. I doubt it. Might have skipped yeah. media today. Yeah. Yeah, he did. He, he didn't have any quotes. You said it was the 14th time he's made a nine or worse? The 11th time. 11th, okay. I mean, again, like, if you, if you told me, hey, there's somebody who's made 11 nines or worse, I would say probably or him. Or, yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Kevin Na at the yeah. Texas Open. Uh, yeah. I mean, all of this just serves – to show how absurd the PGA win was, right? Correct. Because because it's like he wasn't he was okay at tournament. He's just he's not a good player. I mean he's he he's not currently a good player. He's an, he's one of the ten best players of all time, but he's he's just not good currently. And um, yeah, I just don't know what we're getting out of him this year. He made a an eagle a birdie. A par, a bogey, a double, and a quintuple. That's that's a full day. Psycho scorecard. Shout Psycho out Shane Bacon. Absolutely. Let's take a look at the odds. Our friends over at Caesars Sportsbook, as expected, Patrick Cantlay and John Rahm at the top. Cantlay, two to one. He's at 10 under. John Rahm, four shots back. They both played the same course today. Four and a half to one, plus 450, and then a gap to Seamus Power, who I fall in love with more each and every single week. He shot a 765 at the Nicholas Tournament course. He is 14 to one KP. So uh, probably no surprise that our two favorites coming into the event are still our two favorites. Yeah, just shorter odds. Uh, Seamus Power has been, uh, he's been really good recently. I mean, dating. Awesome. I didn't look at his end of the uh, of last year, uh, but he played pretty well at Tournament of Champions, right? Uh, yeah, played well enough. I think he finished fifteenth or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Which is, I mean, for him in that field, that's that's pretty good. I mean, that's you know, twenty of the the better players in the world. So, 
Uh, he's interesting. What course did he play today? He right played here. the Nicholas tournament course. Okay. So his seven under was a little bit better than a seven under at La Quinta, La Quinta would be. Yeah, about a half a shot or so, a little less. Okay. Yeah. I, th- I think he's interesting at 14 to one. Not, not just because he's been playing pretty well. Uh, what, where, scroll down a little, producer Jacob. Where's Tom Hoagie? 50. He's interesting. He's T4. He played one of the easier courses also. I don't know. I can't tell which one. Nicholas course. But he's been hitting the ball really well. Uh, Joseph Bramlett is interesting also. He's obviously beloved in the... uh, He's just one of the guys that's from T to green. He's awesome. Can't putt. Same story on on, uh, Thursday. He's six over six strokes gained from T to green. And minus strokes putting, but he had the best score of anybody at, at PGA West. So um, he's interesting at 33 to one, but it's just, it's so hard to envision any of these guys beating both Cantlay and Rom, right? That's, that's the problem. Yeah. Not I just mean, one, we, both of them are there. <laughs> I think that I honestly, like, I think the play there is probably Rom, just because you're getting him as not the favorite. I mean, the odds are so short, but I like getting him as not the favorite. Yeah, and he was basically like five and a half to one before the event started. So you you chop a you chop a digit off. It's four it's four and a half to one. He played exact. He did exactly what he was supposed to do. He did exactly what he was supposed to do. Gained three shots on the field, and he's yeah. lurking. Yeah. Exactly what he's supposed to do. Uh, real quick, KP, as you know, uh, the podcast that my my personal podcast, the the name three hundred yards to unknown. That's a nod to Shot Tracker, obviously. The very famous James Hart Dupree, I believe is how he pronounces it, the big hitter, South African. He had two different 406 yards to unknown shots on Thursday. That is, uh, and I track these things, about as impressive as it gets. 406 yards to unknown. I saw he didn't lead the field in, uh, in driving. Driving accurate? Uh, distance? Distance. Uh, is it the one where they only counted on two holes? Yeah, so two holes, he was T5. Uh, Luke List was 331. And then driving distance, oh, driving distance, all drives, he did. Yeah, he has to be. So yeah, on the fifth was, hole, the fifth hole, 406 yards to unknown to the right. The ninth, 406 yards to unknown to the left. He's got them both covered. <laughs> that's, he did not play well. It's honestly like what he does is I think it actually serves or it just it goes to show you like how skilled Bryson is. I agree. Right? Because like we talk all the time, oh, Bryson just hits it far or whatever. And you're like, actually, he's like super impressive with everything, like in every other area, also. And you get a guy like this who's like longer than Bryson and he shoots what's five over, six over, seven over? Four over. Four over. Mm-hmm. Loses five strokes to the field. It's just and it's it's not good, you know. So, it 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 show it it shines a light on how skilled guys like Bryson and Rom and DJ are from one fifty and in. When you've got this guy hitting it way past them and losing five strokes on approach shots, like that's so bad. And uh, 
but yeah, four four hundred yards to unknown. You maybe need to change the podcast name. Yeah, you know what? It's like with inflation or like as distances get longer on the tour, like I might have to go to like three hundred and ten, three twenty, yeah. three. I mean, I got to keep up at some point. Yeah, three hundred yards. Like three hundred is not funny anymore. It's not it's impressive. Just, it's routine. Yeah. <laughs> Stinks. All right, there's one more guy I want to talk about. He is not in this PGA Tour field, but first we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Did you know that more than 75% of Americans will experience foot pain in their lifetime, but only 10% will seek out a solution for that pain? Those numbers do not add up to me, and I know it can be confusing, the biomechanics of the foot, the bones, the muscles, everything in between, but solving foot pain is simple, and that's where Superfeet comes into play. These Superfeet insoles go into your shoes, give your feet comfort and support where they need it the most, and redistribute the forces that reduce both stress and strain through your entire body, not just your feet. Insoles have been uh, phenomenal for me uh, personally, and they are clinically proven to decrease fatigue, reduce injury, and improve comfort. I can attest to that myself, especially when walking uh, a lot of golf holes that I play. So if you feel good, you play good, you look good, everything works out from there and it starts from the bottom up. Visit superfeet.com and enter promo code FIRST at checkout for 15% off your first order plus free shipping. And we're back on Wednesday. That's right. An event that ended on Wednesday, Akshay Batia comes through and wins the Bahamas Great Exuma Classic KP at 19 years young. And he's kind of been, I don't want to say, I don't want to say ridiculed. I don't know what word I'm looking for. The, the conversation has been interesting around Akshay because he chose to turn professional so early and so young in his career. I believe he was 17 at the time that he did it. And a lot of people had many things, as you can imagine, to say about that. Now a victory on the Corn Ferry Tour, feeling pretty good about himself. For sure. Uh, he's good. I mean, obviously, he's, his talent is is special. His pedigree is really good. I, I think it's pretty interesting. I think so. The the college thing is I, I've become. Uh, we don't have time for this, but <laughs> I've become less just broadly a believer in. Um, there's just a lot more opportunities to go and make a living and a life outside of college than there were 40 years ago. I think, or maybe not 40. Maybe like. Yeah, maybe 40, 30, 20 years ago. And I think he's uh, doing a good job. Like, I I think what he did is very admirable and it's and it's really cool and it and it's it's risky, but kinda, but like it's great. I think the 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 hard part that I the thing that I have a hard time reconciling is that you're choosing something at 17 that's really lonely. I mean, how many times have we heard from guys on tour and yeah. Um, just everything that goes along with that of how lonely it is. And then guys that have gone to college are like, oh, it's the best experience, right? So I think in terms of making a living and making a career, like what he did is very admirable and like I commend it. But then you're like, oh, but did you miss out on like a ton of just cool relationships and memories that you would have had otherwise? So I don't know. I, I, I don't know how you reconcile those two things, but I really struggle with 
how to reconcile them. But it, I think career wise, yeah. I think career wise, I guess what I'm saying is he's going to be fine. He's really good. Obviously, you win a corn fair event at 19. I mean, he's going to be on the tour at 20. I mean, it's yeah. the, it's it's speed at the John Deere all over again. It feels like he's older than that because he's been in our lives for two, three, four years, but he's going to be super young on the PGA tour, which, which is awesome and, and super exciting for us to get to cover. Yeah. Different strokes, different, different paths for everybody. Now uh, we'll close with this because the, the list is short in terms of teenagers who have won on the corn ferry. Akshay adds his it. name to the list. He's the third one KP. So two others have accomplished this before he has, or at well, least at boy, similar ages. Your boy, Sung Jay. Sung Jay, that's absolutely right. He actually won this event four years ago when he was 19 years, nine months, and 17 days old. Do you think he knew what the tournament was called, unlike Akshay? Uh, <laughs> it's Sung-Jay. so amazing to start your Instagram video or whatever you're recording. Probably not. I, I'm, so, I'm so happy yeah. I won the... Yeah, we'll see you soon. What's up, guys? <laughs> Do we have it there, Jacob? Do we have the whole thing? Here it is. Guys, Octavity here, your uh, Bahamas great Exuma Classic winner. Uh, thank you for everyone <laughs> to support me. Uh, thank that you would be me like, back for- welcome, you know, uh, hi, Rick Gaiman here, host of the uh, First Cut podcast. Sanjay <laughs> <laughs> like- <laughs> so, plays in so many, he might not remember either. I mean, he, sure. he, they, they got to all blend together. And Akshay the same. I mean, that dude plays golf all the time. Um, I was a little surprised that Day was the other one. I, I didn't remember him. I mean, obviously, he was good at a young age, but I, I just didn't remember that, I guess. Oh, you don't uh, remember but, the 2007 Legend Financial Group Classic? You don't remember that one? I don't. I don't. Uh, <laughs> it, it's good company, though. I mean, I, I think that – I think Akshay is going to be really good. I, I don't know if he's like a like major winner type good, but I think he's going to be a good player on the PGA Tour. Well, we're going to see a lot more of him in the future, so get ready for that. But KP, right back at it again on Friday. They make the course rotation. We're going to see scores coming in from all over the place, and it should be a blast. Sorry, I was reading our uh, chat where producer Jacob was making fun of the name that of the tournament that Jason Day won in 2007. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it should be. I again, I hope we get Rom Cantlay, but even if not, it's a good feel. There's a ton of ton of interesting stories at the top, so I'm ready for it. Post round recaps coming after each and every round. Producer Jacob not only enters things into the chat that make us laugh, but he also does all the hard work behind the scenes. Kyle Porter can be found on Twitter at Kyle Porter CBS, and you can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been the first cut, and we'll catch you next time. Bright shining light, Sarajevo. And they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. Explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo. Thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future. New documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.